Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. So we've got two readings this morning. The first one is from Zephaniah, chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud sing. Our second reading is from Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, there's some people here I haven't seen before. Um, welcome. It's nice to have you here with us. Today I want to bring, a me- this is really loud, it sounds really loud to me. It's all good? Okay, I'll keep going. Um, I'm going to bring a message from another one of those books that we don't read, um, Zephaniah, this time. Um, quick quiz again, who has read Zephaniah more than five times? <laughs> well, I saw a couple of hands go up last week, so I wanted to get, make sure there's no one, no. There are three things I'm going to... Um, we're going to take away from, from Zephaniah this morning, from this short book. If you read it though, if you study it, there's a lot more that you're going to see in this great book than just the three things I'm going to bring out. Something amazing that I've found about these small books of, of the Bible, these 12 minor prophets, is there's just so much in there and we don't read them. Why don't we read them? Um, I suggest getting Jacko to put you on the spot and get you to preach because that, that makes you read the thing. So there are three things. We're going to be encouraged by seeing the Lord work in the history of his people. Um, 
the time of Zephaniah. We're going to have joy and rejoicing stirred up in us as we see God at work in our own lives. And we're going to see just a little bit of the incredible joy that the Lord himself has over the salvation of us, his people. So, the setting for you. It was about 80 years after the complete destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. So you had Israel at the top, Judah at the bottom. 80 years earlier, destroyed by the Assyrians. They'd been warned, God brought judgment under the Assyrians, and they wiped off the, the face of the earth. During those 80 years, to the time of Zephaniah, Judah in the south didn't learn a thing from what happened to their northern cousins. Didn't learn a thing. They mixed the worship of Baal and other gods with the worship of Yahweh. Idols were set up in the temple of God. Idols. They were brutal. This this is God's supposed people. They were brutal, they were dishonest, they were unfaithful, and they lived just like the nations around them. All the stuff that we looked at last week about Assyria, Judah, living in sin and rebellion against the Lord. So, Zephaniah. We're in Jerusalem. It's around 620, 630 BC. Unfortunately, these guys didn't put the date on the, on the bottom of their writing, so we have to kind of work it out. It's around about 620 to 630 BC. Let me read from verse 1 of chapter 1 of Zephaniah. If you've got the book of Zephaniah open, follow along. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. There's a heartwarming passage, isn't it? Do you ever read passages like that? You get to these genealogies. Uh, this king begat that king, who begat this king, who begat that king. It's not always that exciting. But this time, I reckon it's a bit different. When Zephaniah prophesied, Josiah was the king. Hands up, who's heard of Josiah? Excellent. Let's read about him. So this is the king at the time of Zephaniah's preaching. From 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Now my son John is eight. Imagine him as your king. He'd be great. Actually, I said that to him this morning, and and he said, "Um, I would be the best king ever, Dad. So he's pretty humble, my kid. Anyway, so eight years old. And he reigned, Josiah, no, not John. Josiah reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Wow. And walked in the ways of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For... In the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. Now that's really good news. 16-year-old kid. And I have to wonder as I was reading through if there's a link between Josiah seeking the Lord and the prophet's message. Because it's a message of judgment on the people of Judah for their rebellion and sin. 
very similar message to what we looked at last week to Assyria. This time the Lord is going to send Babylon to destroy them and take them away captive. It's a message of judgment on the nations surrounding Judah. The Lord's going to come and wipe them out one by one because of their sin. And it's a message of judgment on the whole world. So the book kind of flips back and forth between Judah, rebellious, judgment. The nations around Judah, rebels, judgment. The whole world, at the end time, rebels, judgment. It's judgment on the whole world. Judgment for everyone who rejects the true king of the universe. doesn't matter if you're living in Judah or you're living around Judah or you're living 2,000 years down the track. Judgment for everyone who rejects the true king of the universe. His message is basically, reject me, you don't want me, then you don't get to live in my world and you don't get to enjoy life. Eventually, after much patience, he eventually says, enough, no. I've warned you and 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 you should have woken up, but you keep your eyes closed and you refuse to repent. So chapter 1, verses 2 and verse 6. The Lord says, after much warning, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth. Everything, declares the Lord. Those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord, or inquire of him. I will utterly sweep away everything. Everyone who's rejected me, will get life without me, and without me, there's no life. I brought life into existence, and you've rejected your king, so I'm going to sweep it all away. I'm going to sweep you away, the prophet says. But as we saw last week, the patience and grace of the Lord always shines through. Even though judgment is coming, and Judah and eventually the whole world will be swept away, you can still individually turn back. So, so the judgments for the nations, for Judah, for the nations, for the whole world, but until the judgment hits, you can come back. There's always that opportunity until judgment hits. So there's no turning back the wrath of God. His ultimate judgment is going to come. Destruction is going to come to Judah, it is going to come to the nations, and it is going to come to everything we see around us. But you can still run to him and be hidden from his anger. Chapter 2, verse 3 of Zephaniah. So in the middle of all the judgment and all the stuff that's going on, it's quite terrible when you read through what's happening. But we get to to chapter 2, verse 3. And the Lord cries out through Zephaniah, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. So in the middle of all the judgment, there's this opportunity that comes. So the judgment's pronounced, but before before execution, there's opportunity to turn to repent and to humbly submit to the Lord. 
That's the main message. That's the main preaching of Zephaniah. And it's pretty much the same message of all those prophets. Well, it says, seek the Lord. Perhaps you may be hidden in the day of the Lord. That's what happens in the life of Josiah. The preaching works. And Josiah submits to the Lord. He submits, he turns, and he seeks the Lord. And when he does that, something amazing happens. First of all, his heart is changed. He is saved personally. He's been rescued personally in his own life. But something else amazing happens. He's the king, right? Well, he starts trying to work out what should I do as king. The temple's destroyed and all this stuff's going on. How about we get the temple cleaned up a bit? Because it's just been forgotten and there's idols there and it's just a terrible place. So he talks to Hilkiah the high priest and sets him about the task of cleaning up the temple a bit. So Hilkiah the high priest starts cleaning up the temple and he discovers a book. And he cries out, I've found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Actually, the Bible had been lost. But Hilkiah, through Josiah, finds it. So, they read it to Josiah. And Josiah is cut to the heart. And he sees how far his people have fallen. And he sees just how far he has fallen himself. So what does he do? Second Kings chapter 23. This is what happens. Now the king, that's Josiah, sent them, that's his helpers, to gather the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all of them, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. Everyone is called to the house of the Lord. Josiah has the book of the law and he reads it and he reads in the hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. How's that? He stood and he read the book of the law. That's all he did. He got up and he read. Not sure if it was the first five books of the Bible, because technically that's the law. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It was at least the book of Deuteronomy. So it's about a thousand verses. So there's an awful lot of reading going on there. And everyone's standing, the whole nation is standing there, hearing it. So Josiah reads it out loud, and the people listened, and there was revival. The temple, the hearts of the people were just turned. The temple was cleaned out of idols, the carved images and false places of worship were destroyed, and the people turned to the Lord. The Lord was respected and obeyed, and the Lord Yahweh was once again worshipped. They heard their judgment, they obeyed the call to repentance, and the Lord saved them. It's a beautiful story. Wonderful. I wonder what would happen if I just stood here 
and read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers and Deuteronomy. How many do you reckon they'd be left sitting there by the time I finished? Well, what I think is fantastic here is that Zephaniah proclaimed to Judah and the nations around Judah and to all the nations, and he made it clear that he's also proclaiming to all the nations in the future before the second coming, before the return of Jesus. So who do you reckon this message is for? Us. The message was for them, and it's for us. And it's, as we look around us, we can see the great rebellion that's all around us. Zephaniah looked around and everywhere, no one was turning to the Lord. We look around everywhere, people aren't turning to the Lord. There's great rebellion all around us. The hearts of most around us aren't turned to the Lord. The hearts of our families and our friends aren't turned to the Lord. But the call to acknowledge that we're sinners and that we're rebels against the king, we're sinners that deserve God's wrath, that call is for us and for the people around us and for our friends and for our families. And we still have opportunity, they still have opportunity to turn in repentance, in faith and be saved. Because the Lord is going to bring his judgment. He is going to execute his judgment. But he hasn't yet. So there's still some time. And he's faithful. He said if we turn to him in repentance, we would be hidden in the day of judgment. It's interesting, the name Zephaniah means hidden. We'd be hidden in the day of judgment. He hides us in Jesus. And Jesus bears the wrath and judgment for us. And here's what happens. Here's the result. Zephaniah 3, 14 to 17. So this is near the end of the book. We've gone through the period of judgment. We've heard the call to repentance. We've seen the people repent. And here's the result. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Sorry, that was really loud. I don't care. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He's taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Some good verses. A couple of things I want to bring out of these verses. When we've recognised how bad our sin is, when we've heard the judgments, we've recognised how bad our sin is and how, just how devastating the judgment is, it crushes us. But when we're released from that, when we discover that our judgment has been borne by Jesus, when we realise we've been rescued from the pit, rescued from our sin and from our hell, and from hell, our hearts sing. 
When I first heard the judgment of God in my life, it came on me like a ton of bricks. I was on the floor, with, literally on the floor with my hands over my head, waiting for judgment to come. And I couldn't face it and I just wanted to hide. But he was patient and he gave me this book and I just scanned through it. And I came across this guy, Jesus. And I came across, I learned that this guy, Jesus, was God himself, taking on human flesh, whose mission was to rescue Phil Brown, to rescue his people. And he was the way of escape. He'd taken the judgment I was feeling so heavy. He threw himself over me and took the wrath of God that should have been borne by me. What a day that was. It was a real mixed day. It was a a day of terrible, horrible, awful judgment. And a day of, wow, what a day. And I, I sang. I was so happy, I was so relieved, so full of joy. I'd been, res- I'd been saved, I'd been rescued from this deep, deep darkness. And 30 years, something, 30 something years later, when I'm reminded, like now, because this is all stirring up in me now, I want to shout with joy. So if I get really loud, that's, that's why. Because he saved me and he's rescued me. I deserve nothing but judgment and hell, but he reached down and pulled me out of the pit. Yes! I can sing aloud, I can rejoice, and I can exult with all my heart because there's no judgment for me. He's cleared away my enemies, Satan, my sin, the world. Nothing can touch me or draw me away from the love of my God in Jesus. That is so great. We rejoice in him. We rejoice in our salvation. We rejoice that he has hold of us. And we rejoice... He dwells among us and in us by his spirit right now. So, Jesse, do you want to come up? No, let's say there. I would love to just go into a time of worship now, but I've actually got some more stuff to say. He will rejoice, he will rejoice over you. Hang on. We were doing the singing and the shouting a second ago. Now it says, He will rejoice, so the Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. There's no more judgment. He will exult over you with loud singing. Have you heard that message before? It's not just us shouting and singing, it's him shouting and singing, the Lord. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. The Lord, our God, shouts and sings with joy. You reckon I'm loud? Our salvation, did you know that our salvation is all his plan? He decided before the creation of the world that he would rescue his people. Mission accomplished. Thousands of years in the planning, success in Jesus. And it brings him great joy. Just last night, I was watching a video with John, the king, um, and it was about um, an ex-NASA guy who now does all these YouTube 
YouTube stuff. And he, was, he basically took everyone back to the time when he was in NASA at the landing of um, one of the uh, rovers, the uh, Mars landing rovers. He was involved in this, in this whole expedition to the, to the moon to, to land this rover on, on Mars. And as we're watching it, there's this big build-up, this big build-up, big build-up, big build-up as the, as the ship kind of comes in and the parachutes are, are, are spread out. And all of a sudden you hear the, the voice of the, the guys in the control area saying, mission accomplished. And the joy of the people, you should have, it was quite amazing actually. There would have been 30 or 40 people that were involved in this whole thing. And they were jumping up and down and they were dancing, they grabbing each other and dancing and kicking. And it was, it was really, really an amazing thing to watch. Mission accomplished. And it just reminded me, just last night, it just reminded me, well, that's our Lord, mission accomplished. He's landed the thing on Mars. He's, he's rescued. He's landed Jesus on the earth and he's rescued us. And it brings him great joy. Not just a faint smile. Great, great joy. That, uh, those parables that Nicole read out earlier, the lost sheep and the lost coin. We're the lost sheep and we're the lost coin. Let's have a look at what it says. First bit, the lost sheep. One of his sheep is lost. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Very happy. And the lost coin. Next one up. When she's found the lost coin, she calls together her friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I'd lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's not the angels of God that are rejoicing. It's there is joy before the angels of God. So there's someone standing in front of the angels of God rejoicing. The Lord himself. It's a picture of God sweeping the house, searching for the lost, scouring the countryside and finding them, finding us. And when he finds us, sinners turn back to him. He is so full of joy. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will rejoice over you with loud singing. You were lost and you found. You were blind, but now you see. He loved you and wanted to rescue you. And he did, and he's so happy. His beloved child has been rescued and brought home. I'm just going to say it again. He's so happy. It says he exalts over us. The Hebrew word for, for exalt, it's a bit of a weird word, the word exalt. It's not one that we use a lot. Do we exalt in anything? I don't really use a word. But the word has the idea... I had to read this about five different times and look it up in about ten different commentaries to make sure I was actually reading the right thing. It has the idea of someone spinning around with emotion. You ever seen a little kid so excited? Yes. That's the word that's used. Spinning around with emotion, dancing with joy. Picture someone so excited their whole body reacts. And loud singing, I wonder what he sings. He brings life into existence by speaking, 
I wonder what happens when he sings. I don't know. It makes me smile to think about it. But we don't usually think of him singing. We don't really think of him rejoicing or him dancing with joy, do we? We often think of God as being kind of this sour kind of... Occasionally he might kind of give a heart kind of... But imagine him rejoicing and dancing with joy because he's rescued his people, because he's rescued Maddie and he's rescued you guys. And when he rescues our friends and our family, it's going to make him dance with joy. You know, when we're really happy, when we're really excited, we sing and we dance and we shout. You ever been to a footy match? I don't know about you Crow supporters, but us power supporters, the, <laughs> the roar of the crowd and the jumping up and down and the singing of the anthem, it's all there and it's really something when it happens. We've all experienced something like that, even you Crow supporters. Um, we're made in his image and we must have gotten that desire to sing and shout and dance from somewhere. If we can get excited about a footy match, how much more wonderful and amazing it is when a child who's lost in the wilderness is found safe and is brought home. How much more wonderful and amazing when a dead sinner is brought back to life. His love and joy overflowing into singing, shouting and spinning around. It's a good image. Great image. A final thought about us and our response to what the Lord has done in us. Just a question, and it's one I ask myself. Do we sing and shout with joy? I know some of us are more expressive than others. That's just the way it is. Not everyone leaves it all out there. I don't care what you think of me. I'm happy to just be out there. But not everyone's like that. Not everyone's expressive. Some are more expressive than others. I know that some of you are saying, nah, I don't sing and shout. That's not me. That's okay. But I've got to say, the Lord's expectation is that at least inwardly, if not outwardly, we should be experiencing something of the joy of salvation. He tells us to sing and shout with joy. So if we're not, inwardly, if not outwardly, what can we do about it? If the thought of our salvation is, hum, maybe we need to be doing something about it or thinking about what we can do about it. Is there anything we should do about it? Can we pump this thing up? Maybe the music needs to be brighter, Jesse. Maybe you sound and audio guys, maybe we need some sound effect, more sound effects and smoke and smoke machines and some awesome lighting and um, maybe we need guys up here preaching that are more charismatic and more energetic than you and me, Jacko. Well, let me tell you something. I witnessed just the other day. And I'm not going to mention any names, but I was at our new, G, new DG the other day. So those that are there are going to know who I'm talking about. And one of the young mums from here, so that's narrowing it down, <laughs> had her little baby on her lap. I was sitting next to her. And the mum was smiling 
and making faces and kissing and chatting with the baby, as you do with a baby. That's what you do. And the baby, the mum was just really enjoying looking at her baby. And the baby was so enjoying the attention of her mum, her whole body was moving and her little head was wobbling and she was trying to form a smile, but she was too little to smile properly. So it's going... But her whole body was, was trying to respond to the mum. It was just lovely. And the baby, all the baby was doing was being with her mum and listening to her mum's voice. Just being with her and being in her presence. And the natural reaction of this tiny little baby was inward and visible. What was the joy that was in this little baby's heart was trying to come out. Not doing a great job, but it was pretty cute to watch. And if there's a key to this whole thing, I think that's it. Being in his presence. Just being in his presence. Listening to his voice through his word. Just being with him in all the ways that he reveals himself. Like Josiah, seeking him. Singing songs to him. Reading his word, studying his word. Spending time with other believers. I, just, I suggest that you find believers that love Jesus more than you do. Um, spend time with them. There's always someone that loves Jesus more than you do. Look for ways to be in his presence. Just being where he is, with their eyes open, seeking him. I think that's the key. So thanks Zephaniah and thanks Josiah. And thank you Lord for opening your word to us. Let's pray. Father God, we are just so grateful for all that you've done in rescuing your people. Lord God, we just thank you so much for what you've done in sending your son, your beloved one and only son Jesus to be in our midst and to bear the wrath of God on our behalf. Lord, we're just just so grateful. We're just so thankful. Lord, I pray that this morning you would stir up in us shouts of joy, stir up in us singing as we think about what you've done for us. Lord, as we think of the joy that you have over the lost sinners that have come back to you. Lord, fill us with joy enrapture us with your grace and your love. Open our hearts to, to hear you, to see you. Lord, put us in your presence. Lord, when we run away from you and find other things to do, I pray that you'll stir us up and bring us back to you. That you'll put other people in, in, our, in front of us. Like the mum in front of the baby, Lord, you'll put us in front of you with our eyes open to see you smiling and to hear your voice. We just thank you so much for what you've done for us. We love you and we just want to serve you and give you thanks. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. 
For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church/northadelaide.